Hey everyone, my name is Jason Parker, and I want to welcome you to the Coastal Church Podcast. I'm super excited for you to hear this message. We believe that God wants to speak to us, and we hope that you're open to hear what He has to say to you today. Enjoy. I'm going to test out a little theory on y'all tonight. Is that good? Nervous laughs. Okay. Here we go. I think most people would do what God said if they knew it was God who said it. I think most people would do what God said if they knew it was God who said it. Sometimes I think the difficulty in following God, sometimes it's in obedience. But I think many times the difficulty is knowing, did I hear from God or not? So like that, that point again, I think most people would do what God said if they knew it was God who said it. So how do you know? How do you know if God said it? Was it just us telling ourselves what we wanted to hear? What if we do the thing we thought was from God, only find ourselves down the road in a little bit of a mess? I felt like the Lord wanted me to do this, but it clearly wasn't the Lord. What then? So over the next couple weeks, and I just would just say this. Pastorally, this is a fun question I often get talking to people, is like, in your everyday, day-to-day decisions, like, what should I do? And you pray about stuff, and you're asking God for wisdom. Like, how do I know if something's just me, or is it God that's speaking? So over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about hearing God. How can you know it's God speaking to you? And so that's kind of where we're going over the next number of weeks. But before we kind of get into the whole bit about actually hearing God, we want to start at a very, very foundational level tonight. Before we kind of recognize whether we hear God or something, the first question is, is do we know God? Do we know this kind of God who speaks to us? And we're going to Look, we're going to begin by looking at Genesis chapter 2 at the very beginning. One of the things that's incredibly helpful for us as we think about God and our relationship to him and how God intended things to actually be before things got in a mess is to look in the very beginning. And so that's kind of where we're going to start tonight. In Genesis chapter 2, we're looking at a passage of scripture. And of course, this is a creation story. It's where God, in the beginning God, Genesis 1 says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And in chapter 2, It kind of gives us a little bit different perspective, but he kind of gets into the story of God forming Adam and God creating Eve and and the trees and so on and so forth. And in Genesis chapter 3, we see Adam and Eve tempted, and we have this business about the serpent. So we're going to kind of walk through this a little bit, and then I I want to kind of unpack three things about this story that help us to know about this whole relationship and what this is all about. So chapter two, we have creation, but it's not fully developed yet. There's no rain, and there's no man to actually work the fields. And in verse seven, the Bible says God makes man. And we have a tree of life, 
and the tree of knowledge and good and evil are noted. And we have uh, in verse 10, it talks about this river, uh, these four rivers that are flowing together. And then in verse 15, it says, God places man in the garden and gives him responsibility to work in the garden and to look after it, to keep it. Uh, how many guys have all mowed your grass yet? Okay, we got three people. How many of y'all are practicing no mow may? You're with me, bro. No mow may and then no mow month. Just pick your month, right? But in the beginning, God created Adam and Eve to look after the garden, to like tend to it and care for it, look after it. Um, and so that was Adam's job was to look after the garden and keep it. And he was given the instruction, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. On that day, you shall surely die. Then in verse 18 is a really interesting verse. It says, and this is a great biblical principle. It's not good for man to be alone. That's just a great biblical principle that we'll kind of get into as we get into this talk here today. We were made for relationship. And that's not like, this passage of scripture is talking about a helpmate and a helper, but just as a principle, we were made to be in relationship, amen? So Adam had to name the animals that God brings, but no helper was found for him. And verse 21 says, so God put Adam to sleep and took a rib to make Eve. And verse 24 says, a man leaves his father and mother and hold fast and they become one flesh. And then in chapter three, Satan tempts Eve and says, did God really say? Anytime someone's questioning God, you should question the questioner, okay? <laughs> They're starting to question God. And I really encourage you, if you weren't here last Sunday, and we kind of talked a little bit about how the enemy, the serpent works, go ahead and listen to our podcast. I just hope that it would encourage you um, as you're kind of in this battle. Last week we talked about the battle, we talked about the evil one. So I encourage you to check that out if you get a chance to. But Eve listens to the serpent, debates what God said, and, and listens to what this serpent is trying to twist what God is actually like. Kind of like what culture does today. Culture thinks they know what God is like, but they're trying to define God without the scriptures. Good luck with that. And what culture does, it's, it makes God in their own image, just like they did in the scriptures. We are so guilty of us defining what we think God is like. And therefore, twisting and tainting what God is actually like. But the story goes on. Verse 6 says, Eve eats then and gives to Adam, who a lot of times we blame, um, we blame Eve a lot, don't we? Huh? Guess who was standing right beside her? It literally says, beside her. He was right there, okay? And Adam takes the fruit. They both do it. And then things go south pretty quick. Then the Bible says that Adam and Eve heard the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. We're not going to kind of unpack, you know, sin and kind of getting into that stuff here, this, here in this sermon series. We've done that before. But as we look at verse 8 here, the Bible says that the Lord came walking in the garden in the cool of the day. It's likely that this was a routine the Lord had 
was to walk in the garden in the cool of the day, having this relationship with Adam and Eve. He likely comes, came to see them from time to time. He may even taken them on walks, and, and maybe the walks were simply for them. Because they don't ask him who he is or why he's there. This couldn't have just been a one-time deal. He walked in the garden. No, the Lord walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden all the time, having this amazing, unbroken relationship back and forth. And then verse 9, God asked the question, a question that he's been asking ever since Genesis chapter 3, and he asked it to all humanity. Where are you? Where are you? So as we pull this story together, I want to share three things about God that we learn in the scriptures about, in particular, how this God is a relational God. The first thing is that God exists in eternal relationship. In Genesis chapter 1, we get a shorter version of the creation narrative with different details. And in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says this, let us create man in our image after our likeness. As you read that in Genesis chapter 1, a great question to ask God is, who are you talking about? Or who are you talking to? You see it? Let us. Is us more than one person? Yeah. Let us create man in our image and after our likeness. We see this God in Genesis 1 in the very beginning, but we see persons. We see God as one, but we see persons. We see hints of this idea that we have called the Trinity. You know, the word Trinity is actually not found in the Bible. Did you know that? But it's a word used to describe what is seen in the Scriptures. And right here in Genesis chapter 1, we see a little flicker, a little evidence that God is three in person. And as we look through the rest of Scripture, we see other ways that God interacts with himself. Probably the best example is through the life of Jesus, because Jesus often would have conversations with the Father, and oftentimes he talked about the Father. I and the Father are one, and he would have these conversations with his disciples as they were listening, describing his relationship with the Father. And in particular, there was an instance where Jesus gets baptized, and this is a great picture of seeing God in relationship with himself. You see Jesus going out to be baptized, and the Bible says that when he was baptized, the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove, and the Holy Spirit filled him with the power of God. And then a voice spoke from heaven and said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Here's the deal. That gives us a picture, but the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has had this relationship going on since Genesis chapter 1 and even before that. We just get these snippets, these pictures throughout all of Scripture of this amazing relationship between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Jesus' baptism, we see how the Holy Spirit loved Jesus, filled Jesus with his power, and if you look in the narrative, it's from that point on that Jesus starts his ministry. 
And then we have this voice, this affirming voice of the father speaking over his son saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. The question I have for you is this. What kind of relationship did the father, son, and Holy Spirit have with each other? Man, that's going to be some crazy kind of love. Matter of fact, it's the most intimate relationship, the closest, tightest-knit relationship in the universe. And they did a lot of really cool things together. Let us make man in our image. You see it? Right in the beginning, they were planning together, making creation, making you and I. And in particular, the Bible says, we were made in the image of God. We were made to be like God. And this relationship has gone on throughout history up until this point through Father, Son, and Holy Spirit speaking and working and creating and restoring and doing this amazing work in our lives. You see, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is the greatest team that's ever existed. It's, when you think about it for a second, like, think about what the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have produced as a team. You ever think about that? Man, they got some stuff done. I mean, look around you at creation, right? John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Everything was created through the Word. And so we see this amazing creation around us. We see the work that God does in each of our lives, and we marvel at what God has done. But the scripture says that God has made us in his image. So what does that mean that we're made in the image of God? Well, if you want to know what being made in the image of God is all about, you got to know what God's actually like. So what, if at the very core of who God is, what is he actually like? In his very essence, what is God actually like? You know what God's actually like at the very core, his very essence? It's relationship. Is he not Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Is that not the closest, most tight-knit relationship in the universe? The very core of God's identity is relationship. And we are made in the image of God. So what does that mean? We were made for relationship. Each and every one of us in this room were made for relationships. And we see it in the scripture, right in the beginning. We see God and Adam. Relationship, right? Right? Okay, just making sure you guys are there. Just checking. We see Adam have a relationship with the garden. Adam and the animals. Adam and Eve. God and Adam and Eve. We see relationships here. We were created for relationships, and it's even evidence in the creation story. See, relationships aren't the cure to boredom or loneliness. They're part of God's plan. Relationships aren't an optional element. They're literally what you and I were created for. It's what we were meant to be. We were created for relationships because we were made in God's image. And the very core of who God is, is relationship. The second thing 
about, you know, God and relationships in this passage is that God moved first. Sometimes we talk about creation and we think about the world and how it all got started. And there, there's this idea that there was this unmoved mover who got everything started. It just didn't boom and start. Someone got creation and everything started. Someone got you and I started. Someone created us. And that person was God. And God pursued us first. In the beginning, God created everything. He created you, he created me. Like, you and I didn't get a vote on whether he made creation, right? You didn't get to vote on that, right? Put Niagara Falls where it's at. Nope, didn't get a vote. Put the Sahara Desert where it's at. Nope, you didn't get a vote. Atlantic Pacific Ocean. Nope, didn't get to vote on that one either. Nope, God did all that. And we didn't get a vote on whether he created us or not. He did that. He created us because he wanted us. Not that he needed us. He wanted you. He wanted to have a relationship with you. That's why he created humanity. The Bible says that he formed Adam, he formed Eve, and he formed you in your mother's womb, and he wanted you. He wanted to have a relationship with you. And even after we all made a mess of creation, he wanted a relationship with us so bad, he sends his son down into this mess to suffer and die on a cross to bring us back into relationship with him. The Bible says he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Jesus came to bring us back into relationship with God. And not only that, but the Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit came not just to come near you, not just to minister for you, but to actually live in you. Because God wants relationship. The Bible says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, and he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. God pursues you for a relationship because it's in his nature to do so. He's a relational God. Going back to that first question that God asked Adam and Eve when they broke relationship with him. What was that question? Where are you? Doesn't that question bleed, I want to be with you? Doesn't that question bleed, come back to me? And the truth is, he's coming for us. He's coming for you. And this is good news. You don't have to carry the weight of initiating. He's already initiating. You don't have to feel the pressure of getting it right. You don't have to live in paranoia that you might have missed God. And you don't have to buy the lie that you're not the kind of person that God would come for. This one is all the time. How many people and how many of us maybe even in this room, we thought we couldn't come to God because we're not the churchy type? Seriously. Think about that for a second. How many of us in this room that came to put your faith and trust in Jesus were reluctant to come and put your faith and trust in Jesus because you felt like, I'm not the churchy type? Well, let me ask you a question. How many of y'all in this room are the churchy type? 
Three people. Four people. Listen, I'm still not the churchy type. None of us were the churchy type. Most of us still aren't the churchy type. We don't have to get everything all together. It's not a prerequisite. God is after us. He pursues us. And so many people believe the lie that I have to be a certain type or get stuff together before I come to God. Matter of fact, before you come to God, something else is already happening. Guess what? He's coming after you. Being non-churchy and all. God's not concerned about your outward appearance. He looks at your heart. And so many people in our community out there think they got to get everything all together before they come to God. And that's just such a lie. It's just not true. God is coming after you. He's pursuing you. Now, some of you might hear that God is coming after you, and you're like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Don't catch me, God. I just want to tell you two quick stories about this feeling that sometimes we think, like some people out out here, maybe even you in the room here today, you feel like this idea of God coming after you is like, he's going to get me. A friend of mine from the area here, who shall remain nameless, was telling me this story one time about how him and his brother... They were uh, getting in a little bit of a row, and he, Buddy took his hockey stick and went to shoot a rock at him and missed him and hit it right through the window. And so he wanted to go tell his dad, but he was really, really scared that his dad was going to freak out. So anyways, he goes by to the shed, and he opens up the door and says, Dad, I broke the window. And he takes off. And at the time, this dad was actually cleaning his gun. And... My buddy tells me the story because he was sitting there at the bench as he peeked in and he was just quiet, right in his blissful state, just cleaning his gun like this. And all of a sudden, he peeked in the window and said, dad, I broke the window. And he booked it and ran off. Buddy put, the dad put the gun down. He's like, what? He puts the gun down and the pursuit was on. He was after him and he got caught. Sometimes we think that God is after us like that to get us. Well, this one time, I, I thought I got my dad pretty good. I was going to say something really, really bad to my dad on my bicycle. And in my house, in my home, we lived on this house that had a hill going right straight down. So you, get, you could take right off on a bike. And uh, I said, I'm on my bike right now. I'm going to let my father have it, and I'm going to book it down. He's not going to be able to catch me. So anyways, I say what I did to my dad. And uh, anyways, I took off on the bike, and... Uh, I was probably about a mile down the road, and, and half a mile down the road, there's this great big hill. So there's like, there's no way my dad could catch me. So I'm down this hill, and I'm flying and free and thinking, oh, yeah, I got the best of my dad. Well, I get about a mile down the road, and I didn't know it. I was kind of in cruise control at that point in time, coasting along, thinking my dad was, you know, he was back at the house. He'd give up on me. Anyways, it wasn't too long. I didn't even hear him coming. And he grabbed the back of that bicycle. I'll tell you what. And I stopped dead in my tracks. It was game over. But how many of us in this idea that God pursues us, we think God's going to get me? How many people, especially outside the walls of this church, out there, think God's coming after me and he's going to get me? 
You know why God pursues you? It's not to get you. God pursues you because he wants to invite you into this incredible, incredible life. This life of blessing that he has for each and every one of us. You see, God invites you to enjoy. That was God's original design in the garden. Invite you into this life to enjoy. I love this scripture verse in 1 Timothy. This is what it says. God richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Sometimes as Christians, we think we can't have fun in life. We think it's just all this killjoy. And let me be straight and honest. There's suffering involved as a follower of Jesus. I'm not downplaying that. But there's also amazing blessing. There's also things we can actually enjoy in this life because in the beginning, Adam and Eve were in the garden and God created it to be good. God creates and invites man into goodness. You see, so much of our lives, my life and your life is full of challenges and hurts and wounds and hangups and uphill things to climb, but God's original plan was invite us into relationship with him so we could walk in goodness and blessing. When you have this relationship with God, it leads to a certain level of contentment and appreciation because you realize that everything good you have in your life actually comes from God. I saw this quote today by Rachel Cruz, and she said, contentment isn't when we have enough. It's when what we have is enough. Let me say it again. Contentment isn't when we have enough, it's when what we have is enough. When you come to the conclusion that every little good thing that we have in our lives is a blessing from God that he freely gives to us, you begin to thank and praise God. You begin to appreciate every little ounce of blessing you have. You give praise and honor to God. And you learn to be content. And man... Has God blessed us? Come on. God has blessed us with some amazing things. God has given some of us kids to enjoy most of the time. God has given us some spouse to enjoy. I'm not going to say most of the time. God blesses us with friendships. God blesses us with work. He blesses us with leisure. I'm so thankful I get to play hockey every week. God blesses us with things like strawberry shortcakes and that first cup of coffee in the day. Amen? Come on. But somehow as Christians, we think that the good stuff that God blesses us with is actually a penalty. Listen. When God created us in the very beginning, he created us to enjoy him and enjoy this amazing creation that he created for us. Because he loved us. Because he wanted to have a relationship with us. And the greatest thing that God has invited us to enjoy, you know what it is? It's actually a relationship with him. We get to share this entire life talking and in fellowship with a God who loves us, who will never leave us, who promises to give us everything we need in this life. 
The greatest blessing and opportunity we have in this life is to have this amazing relationship with God who is with us every single moment and every single breath. That's the greatest thing ever. And you see, praying without ceasing isn't this idea that we're closing our eyes and bowing our heads and just praying and praying and praying. It's about just having this ongoing friendship with God. The Bible says that in Christ, we're a friend of God. But it starts with God. It starts with Him. And before we come after God, He comes after us. He is pursuing you. But it's not to get you. It's not to take you behind the woodshed. It's to invite you into this amazing life that he has prepared for each and every one of us. He is coming after you more than we're coming after him. And if you're here tonight and you've yet to put your faith in Jesus, just know that God's coming after you because he loves you and he wants to invite you into this amazing life. So would you stand to your feet? Father dear, we just thank you for your Holy Spirit's presence in this place. And God, would you just stir our hearts and remind us, Father, of the amazing relationship that we have in you. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, move. And remind us. Remind us, Lord, of your incredible love for us in Christ. We really hope that this message has motivated you to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus. It has inspired you to join us in our mission to take Jesus into every community of Southwest Nova. If you have any questions about the sermon, if you want to know how you can get involved, send us an email at office at coastalchurchns.com. We'd love to get connected with you. Have a great day.